It was Friday afternoon, and Jesus is dead. His brutalized body hanging without life on a cross dropped into a hole in the dirt. His executioners had dug the holes, prepared the place, and done their job with ruthless efficiency. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. The hope of mankind overcome by powers of hell, by the shadow of a grave. We once knew what it was like to rule and reign on the earth. We were made to live in the light, in relationship, in purpose. We were made for more than what we've come to accept as normal. Ever since the garden, Satan and his kingdom have been tightening their grip. Darkness has ruled evil, chaos, suffering, hopelessness. We've been enslaved and crippled by the holes the enemy has been digging for us too. But instead of killing the Messiah, the cross became a catalyst for salvation. The hole that was dug to hold an instrument of shame and death was instead filled with an instrument to bring healing and new life. That's the way God is. Nothing is impossible with him. He's always restoring, always renewing, always able to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good, to take our graves and turn them into gardens. Why? Because he never gave up on his plan. He has never given up on us. He knows what we don't, that you can't have resurrection life without death, Jesus. He died so we can have lives of purpose and power over the grave. He is not dead. He is alive. And because he lives, we can live again. Well, he is alive. Jesus is alive and we celebrate his resurrection today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salam brought spices so that um, they might go and anoint him. And very early in the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us um, from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you, there you will see him just as he told you. The reading from God's word to us today. The account of Jesus' resurrection. I can't believe that it has just been over a year since COVID wreaked havoc on our lives. <laughs> it's, it impacted us in so many ways. It is so nice and so refreshing to have this Easter Sunday 
be so different than last Easter Sunday. Last Easter Sunday, I was preaching to an empty room. And you were at home watching the services. I want to say for those of you watching at home right now or on the road, we are so glad that you're joining us as well. But when I think about this past year, the words that I come up with today are these two words, resilience and appreciation. I've appreciated so many things that this difficulty of COVID has taught me. We spent more time in nature than ever before this past year, and we see God's gift in it. But these words, these two words of resilience and appreciation were not the words that I would have defined this season earlier in the year, or I should say when COVID started. The two, the two words that were in my, that I would have come to mind would be disappointment and discouragement. How is it that I went from disappointment and discouragement to resilience and appreciation in just a matter of time? So why did these words change? And I'll share that with you in a moment. But no one likes pain, right? Nobody likes the feeling of hardship or suffering. Anybody here like suffering? No. But some of the greatest works, the greatest discoveries, and the most significant revelations have come through toil, pain, and disappointment. And maybe if you're young, you don't understand and can't relate quite yet to the pain and suffering that life brings you. But every single one, at some point in time in their life, will experience hardship, pain, and suffering. And I know COVID has put a lot of people in that place. Some of you lost loved ones during this time. Other people had um, circumstances change on you because of COVID. It was a difficult season. But I want to let you know there's something about pain and suffering that, that does something significant and actually even beautiful in our life. And we turn to the cross to understand that actually we couldn't experience an empty grave without a cross. You see, without a cross, there could not be an empty grave. Are you saying that maybe without suffering, without pain, without toil, without hardship, that there can't be a place of greater meaning and purpose? I wonder if the deep work that needs to be happening in our lives, that God wants to do in our life, can only come from places of pain and suffering, brokenness. You know, Jesus himself would be the first one to say, I don't want this pain, right? In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to his father and he says, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering from me, if it all is at all possible. It's not like we walk around saying, oh, bring it on, bring the pain on, right? We don't do that. But the reality is, is we do come face to face with difficult times in our life. But I, I want us to consider one thing today. I want us to consider that maybe looking at our brokenness, instead of a thing that pushes us down and buries us, that really our brokenness is the very thing that brings us to life, that has the greatest possibility of potential of realizing God's purposes for us. This year, I, I don't know if it's been this year or, or years past, but maybe you've experienced brokenness in your own life. News of cancer, a failed marriage, an abusive relationship, a tragic event, disease, sickness, sudden death of a family member or, or friend, 
loss of a job, loss of a dream. These are real losses that bring significant pain. How did you handle these painful times? When you look back at those pain points in your life, how did you handle them? Did you try to control the outcome of those circumstances? How did it make you feel? Just think for a moment. I, I know you're trying to not go back to those bad memories, but just sit in that pain for a moment. What were the effects? If you're like my personality a little bit, I, I think there in years past, I would try to control them. And if my, the worst, the dark side of me comes to the surface, then I, I maybe would try to control it today. But one thing I've learned is that when we turn it over to the resurrected Savior, he will turn our graves into gardens. He will turn our graves into gardens. I've, I've been learning that brokenness is a gift. Brokenness is a gift. Brokenness helps us realize we are weak. We are mortal and very much not like God. And when we get broken, we begin to realize how much we actually have thought we were God. And maybe when we lived that way, we're actually breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, right? No other gods in your life. But yet, many times, as we try to control our circumstances and situations, especially in our pain points, we realize actually we've been playing God. The apostle Peter, this is interesting part of this story, the resurrection story, probably had those similar feelings and emotions. Peter is riding high. He's like, I'm going to conquer the world. After all, Jesus, in his mind, was going to overcome the, Ro the oppression of the Roman Empire. That's what they thought. And, and here's Peter. Can you imagine this? Like somebody super, in his mind, powerful and is going to create a new, a new governing, ruling um, structure. And here's Peter thinking like, I've been chosen. We're riding high. And then... Jesus gets arrested, taken away, put in prison. Disappointment, like, is this true? Can this happen? You know, we've all been there, like, we have expectations, and then all of a sudden, those expectations are dashed by a circumstance, and so much of that took place this year with COVID. He denies Jesus three times. It's not only denying the Messiah, he's actually lying about it. So can you imagine that? He's, his character is now all of a sudden, he's being washed into this place, this deep, dark place of suffering. But I love that after the resurrection, and I wonder if, if, if the reason why the angel in Mark chapter 16 says, go tell the disciples and Peter, like, why wouldn't he just say, go tell the disciples? He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. It was, it was like, it was like God, it was on God's heart to make sure that Peter had an opportunity to have an, an encounter with a resurrected Jesus Christ that would restore him. See, Peter, in the depths of his brokenness and his despair and in his, his whole world come crashing down, then meets the resurrected Jesus and, and is the sweetest moment when he sees Jesus, I'm sure very ashamed, thinking that, you know, it's like 
I thought, Jesus, you were dead. You know, I, I didn't believe it. I just went back to fishing. And here Jesus says, do you love me? And he asks them that three times in these tender moments. And, and, and Peter's almost a little bit, first time, says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he gets a little bit irritated in the third time. But I think Jesus needed to do that three times because I, I think Peter was feeling so overwhelmed by his own sin, by his own despair that, that Jesus tenderly went in there, the resurrected Christ, that only Jesus, the resurrected Jesus knows how to go into those places of our heart and resurrect the most beautiful places. The interesting thing, Peter thought that, oh, I didn't share this the first service, but it just came to me. It did, he, Peter probably thought, hey, I'm just going to be part of this ruling class with Jesus, overcoming the Roman, um, you know, the oppression. But interesting, Jesus says to Peter, upon you, Peter, this rock, the church would be built. The scope and the scale of his purpose was so much larger than just, hey, hanging out with a ruler who's going to overcome the Roman Empire. Think about this for your life right now. Think about these times of pain and, and darkness and realizing and brokenness and realizing that actually, if we allow Jesus into the midst of that pain, into the midst of that hurt, that not only does he take your your grave and turn to a garden, he helps you build your purpose for your life around those moments. The resurrected Jesus does those things. And it could be that brokenness that, that's caused by struggle, pain, and suffering is the very thing that God uses. The very thing that God uses to build his purpose in our life. Picazzaro, in his um, devotional Emotionally Healthy Relationships, um, journal or devotional, he says this, God has a cup of suffering for each one of us to drink. Our unique God-given destiny, it involves limits, setbacks, and difficult choices. He goes on to say, and he quotes Henry Noonan, and he summarizes this experience well by saying this, no two lives are the same. We often compare our lives with those of others, trying to decide whether we are better or worse off. Don't we do that? We look around. <laughs> but such comparisons do not help much. We have our own life to live, not somebody else's. We have to hold our own cup. We have to dare say, this is my life. This is what has been given to me. And it is this life that I have come to live as well as I can. My life is unique. Nobody else will ever live it. I have my own history, my own family, my own body, my own character, my own friends, my own way of thinking, speaking, and acting. Yes, I have my own life to live. He goes on to say, no one else has the same challenge. I am alone because I am unique. Many people can help me live my life, but after all is said and done, I have to make my own choices of how to live. You see, we do have a choice about those when life gives you lemons, right? We've all heard it, we make lemonade. But we do have a choice, right? When the hardships and sufferings come, it can either demean us, defeat us, or we can let the power of the resurrected Jesus meet us in our pain 
to turn mourning to dancing. Anybody okay with that one? To turn sorrow into joy, our pain into a promise, and our problems into prosperity. But I have to tell you, it doesn't always come easy. The deep work of the resurrected Jesus in our life comes at a cost, but I will tell you it will be worth it. See, the cost is like what Jesus said, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But in that moment of Jesus' suffering and deep despair, is, does, he, does he connect humanity back to a father in heaven? That he takes the sin of the world upon himself to allow people to experience freedom. Freedom that, that only comes through the resurrected Jesus. I want to let you know that, that I've been broken. Uh, people have mentioned to me over the last couple of years, Mark, you're so, you're so different. What's happened? <laughs> and I'll tell you, suffering has happened. <laughs> Challenges. And I've allowed God's deep work to come into my life. You see, seven years ago, when I took over as a lead Pastor here at Grace Capital Church. We were New, one of New Hampshire's largest churches. We had three locations with a fourth one opening up. And, and then all of a sudden, something happened about a year and a half into that. That all of a sudden, we had locations wanting to become independent. And then we went through a splant. Anybody know what a splant is? We call it a plant, but really it was a church split. <laughs> a splant. And, and let me tell you, nobody's motives were wrong in that. It was just life. It was just how things were going down. But I, I'll tell you, I came into this place of saying, God, I can do all this stuff for you. I can do all this for you. And, and, and I remember in the middle of all of that, God just says, uh, this is not a ministry to build. This is a ministry, a church to steward. And, and Jesus didn't need me to build a great church, but to allow him to do a great work in me and a great work in each one of you. And so the change that people have seen in me is really because of the ability to walk and invite Jesus into the pain of, of those circumstances and those situations. And today I want to let you know that, that Jesus is doing incredible things in my life. Jesus is doing incredible things in this church's life. And we can celebrate him for it, but we all had to work through those difficult seasons. Now, maybe you're new to Grace Capital Church, and that's old history. That's like five years ago, right? So maybe you didn't even experience any of that, but I have to say that in those moments, you're going to have those own experiences. You're going to have those pain places. You're going to have those challenging times, and the resurrected Jesus wants to come into those moments and say, I want to take your grave and make it into a garden. I want to take your grave, your pain, your sorrow, your disappointment, your brokenness, and I want to make something so beautiful out of this. With Jesus, our graves become a garden. You know, the interesting thing is, uh, after walking through that, that process, I, I've realized that, that as I was working on this message, I, I had this image flash in my mind, and as I was thinking about the difficult times way back and going through this, and, and the image that I came um, to in my mind was the grave clothes neatly folded at the end of where they laid Jesus. 
And I was thinking about my own life and realized that, that I had to, at some point in time, make a decision to wrap up the grave clothes in that situation for me to really find the healing and freedom that Jesus had desired for me. Maybe some of you need to think about today, what grave clothes do I need to wrap up? And say, you know what, that is not only in the past, and not only do you push it in the past, and not, you don't suppress it, but you invite Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, in the middle of that. Because Jesus wants to make your grave into a garden. So what would have happened if Jesus didn't surrender to that cup of suffering? What if Jesus didn't submit to the Father in the middle of that? Where would we be? Where would the church be if Peter didn't submit to this idea that, that he allowed Jesus to restore him after he denied him? Because Peter could have been like Judas. There's two stories there, right? There's a story of Judas who ended up taking his own life after denying Jesus and selling him out. And then there's Peter, who, who was willing to walk those painful places of saying, you know what, I made a mistake, but I'm inviting Jesus back into my story, and he's going to redeem, and he's going to restore. He's going to put purpose back into my life when I felt like I've messed up too bad. With Jesus, your grave becomes a garden. I want to tell you a quick little story uh, um, that, uh, that relates to the illustration that we're going to have today, and if you have your glow stick, you want to take that, and I think I have one here somewhere. Oh, yes, it is. It's hidden here. So I want to let you know this is not my story. This is a story of something that took place this week at the Dollar Tree. This is a posting um, in our GCC groups page. By the way, all of you are invited to be on uh, into the Facebook uh, GCC groups page. Eva Ramos is the one who uh, submitted this, and she titled it Broken, and then she gave a little emoji heart with a little crack in the heart, broken. This is what she writes. I was at Dollar Tree last night, and there was a lady and two kids behind me in the long line. One was a big kid, one was a toddler. The big one had a pack of glow sticks, and the baby was screaming for them, so mom opened the pack and gave him one, which stopped his tears. He walked around with a smile, but then the bigger boy took it, um, and the baby started screaming again. Just as the mom was about to fuss at the older child, he bent the glow stick and handed it back to the baby. As we walked outside at the same time, the baby noticed that the stick was now glowing, and his brother said, I had to break it so you could get the full effect from it. I almost ran because I could hear God saying to me, I had to break you to show you why I created you. You had to go through it so you could fulfill your purpose. That little baby was happy just swing that unbroken glow streak around at the air because it didn't understand what it was created to do, which was to glow. There are some people who will be content of just being, but some of us have been chosen by God to be broken. We have, to, we have to get sick. We have to lose a job. We go through divorce. We have to suffer with disease of addiction. 
We have to bury our spouse, parents, best friends, our child because of in these moments of desperation, God is breaking us. But when the breaking is done, then we'll be able to see the reason for which we are created. So when you see us glowing, know that we have been broken, not just been broken, but healed by his grace and mercy. Well, this is a, this is a, um, a little posting from Ava Ramos. Don't, don't worry about the theology in there. Don't think that I'm, I'm preaching from the Bible, but the, the concept is, is true, which is this. If you take your glow stick and hear the break, go ahead and break it. Every break that you have, remember about something that has been broken in your life. Poor decision, an experience that you wish never would have happened to you, being falsely accused, you name it. Find the broken places. It's interesting that when we get broken, though, and we invite Jesus in the middle of the pain, that our lives change if we allow it to. See, we have a choice. We have a choice to either bury um, our pain. We have a choice to um, run away from it. Or we have the choice to invite Jesus in the middle of it. And I believe it's when we light Jesus into the middle of it that our lives begin to glow. Because he restores something in us. He redeems something in us. He renews something in us. He works a deep work in us. So when people say, hey, Mark, we know something different in you, it's like, I've been broken. But I have not just been broken, I have been renewed, redeemed, and restored by my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, I think in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy that set before him, he endured, he endured the cross. And I think for us, for the joy set before us, we will not only endure our hardship, but we'll allow Jesus to shape us and mold us and do a deep work in our heart. COVID-19 has brought a lot of pain to this year and life can be hard. But I want to remind you that Jesus is in the process of redemption and restoration. He's in the process of redemption and restoration every time you call out to him and invite him in the middle of that pain. You see, I wonder if that's what Joseph saw. Joseph, you know, the prince of Egypt, who was falsely accused in prison for years and then he became the, the governor of Egypt. This is what he says. What, what Satan has meant for evil or what you, all you, have meant for evil, God is using it for good. See, I don't believe God causes sickness. I don't believe God causes pain. But I do, the wor our world will do that to us. And maybe some of our decisions will do that for us are poor decisions. But what I love about the resurrected Jesus, the empty tomb shows the power that Jesus has to take our grave and make it into a garden. To take the pain and hurt and challenges in our life and make us glow. To show his goodness, to show his light and his love. 
You see, without the cross, there could not be an empty grave. True. Without the grave, there could not be a garden. True. Your brokenness, church, I want to hear this. I want you to hear this. Online, I want you to hear this. Your brokenness is more beautiful than you think. Your brokenness is more beautiful than you think when you allow Jesus into that middle of that pain. Because it's your brokenness, if you allow Jesus in, that makes you bright, attractive, and with God's help, forming you and equipping you to live your God-designed purpose. See, what the world is meant for evil, what Satan is meant for evil, God is working together for good. Romans 8, 28, he's making all things work together for good. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, and this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together, and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.